Welcome to the podcast. It's the worst territory in the world. Personalities, history, and other stories. We know you're craving for more knowledge. Let the champions get their glory. It's the worst territory in the world. All right, everybody, welcome in. It is the best time of the week to talk about possibly the worst territory in the world. I'm Gabe sitting here with Chris. <laughs> you know, Chris, I was thinking of a million things on how to start this episode. I, I've got nothing. It's been a wild week or a wild couple weeks since we last recorded, you know, uh, the death of Terry Funk, the death of Bray Wyatt, um, all in. I don't know if you've heard about anything relating to that. No, what um, happened? <laughs> I don't know. Some things happened apparently backstage, and you know, Chris, how what how are we supposed to make heads or tails of what's going on right now? Man, the CM Punk saga has been an interesting one to watch since he joined AEW, because like he is really one of the last um, last outlaws. He's one of the last like uh, you know he's he's this generation's Ultimate Warrior, Bret Hart. He's one of those guys that you know, sits out of wrestling for seven years because he can. Right. Right. So, and so then you're always wondering like, what's going to happen with him? Like there's so few wild cards now that they're sort of fun to watch. And that's frankly, like, I know a lot of people don't like ultimate warrior. Or they, they, you know, a lot of people bury him for whatever reason, but I always found him to be fascinating because I do sort of respect the guys that don't have to work in wrestling uh, and can sort of tell people like Vince McMahon or whoever that, no, I'm good. And like, just do other things. And that, cause that's just an anomaly that just doesn't happen very often. So when punk sat out for a while, came back, did that Fox show, then goes to AEW, what a roller coaster it has been. Yeah. And, and that's what we're going to basically talk about today is because it is, everybody has an opinion on this. Ivy, I, I didn't even know until I was reading your Metro pro wrestling threads. I didn't even know that some people thought this was a work. Like, yeah, a lot of people think that the, um, the, well, a lot of people thought the first time was a work, you know, with uh, the, the young bucks and, and stuff that went down the first time with the, the, the brawl out. Yeah. The, when he went off script and the, the media scrum media scrum being, uh, in, in quotations because people that have like 10 followers on Twitter and they're asking questions, but nevertheless, they thought that was something. And then all of a sudden they think this Jack Perry thing is a, is some kind of work. And I'm like, look, it is wrestling. This is the world we live in. If you're a wrestling fan, everything's a work. Like I get it. But um, if, if so, it was like the worst work ever because yes. Uh, not only is it with somebody that's not even in the same, uh, I don't know, 10 leagues below CM Punk and Jack Perry. Uh, but I, it was like a very confusing way to get into a work if you thought it was. So yeah. I don't know. It was, it was, th this would make Vince Russo cry. Like this is not like a, <laughs> a way he would set something up either. And the most convoluted of what he did. So, um, but yeah, no, it was, some people thought that, I mean, if you go on, if you scroll through Twitter for the last couple of weeks, how many people say it was a work? I was, I was fascinated by that. It, it's yeah. And I get it. So when things happen in wrestling now, because we know everything or we think we know everything, everyone's always like looking like, oh, I don't know, is that a bug do? you know, and it's, it, it's hardly ever what's being reported, um, 
And, you know, the truth is lying somewhere in between what's being reported and what people mm -hmm. think they know and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to kind of launch into all that. I think it's a topical thing that we need to talk about um, because CM Punk has dominated our news cycle since he's returned. If it's not one thing, it's another. It's 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 is he going to meet with the elite? And then now we're hearing that he was supposed to have a meeting with them that got canceled, all this other kind of stuff. And yes. Let's head it off at the pass right now. Obviously, we both have a relationship, you far more than me, with someone that is close with CM Punk. I, I think my opinion about the whole situation is slightly different from yours. I can see both sides of the coin, but we're going to chop it up and get into that. We're also going to talk a little bit about All In. We'll talk a little bit about, um, what was that pay-per-view? Payback. If you saw it, if you didn't see it, what coming any news or notes coming out of there. So we're just going to kind of do a news and notes segment from around the wrestling world here today. But before we do that, everybody, if you like our podcast, if you like what we're doing here, give us a five-star rating. Please, 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 wherever you get your podcasting needs met, whether it's Stitcher, or I think Stitcher's gone now, um, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever your podcast needs are being met, please give us a five-star rating. That really helps us uh, get noticed also. Um, interact with us on the wonderful world of Facebook. You can go to facebook.com slash worse wrestling. Uh, give us your thoughts, opinions, questions, comments, concerns. We still would like to do a Q and a episode. Um, but my last post about that went literally nowhere. So if you guys want to, um, ask some questions, we'd love to do a Q and a episode about our time in wrestling, uh, especially Chris's time in the WWF, um, you know, we have a lot of fun, I think, topics kind of brewing in the back of our minds. I would eventually like to fully go into uh, the McMahon family. Um, you know, there's a lot of topics that we haven't covered from your time in the WWF or we, you know, interviews from uh, major players uh, in the worst territory in the world. So let's get to it, Chris. So uh, first and foremost, I don't know if you heard, but All In set an attendance record. I really want to I, I do want to talk about this really quick. 81,035 people. And the reason why I know that is because every podcast I listen to, every wrestling show I watch outside of WWE, they say that number over and over again. It was the largest paid attendance in the history of pro wrestling. Chris, we all know attendance numbers are inflated. Is this as major of an event as they are making it out to be? Yeah. I thought it was an awesome event. I mean, I thought it was a, what a, what a feather in AEW's cap. I mean, it's a very, it's such a, it comes at such a weird time because the television ratings are going South there. I mean, you see every week now, uh, AEW haters post pictures of empty, empty mm -hmm. theaters or empty arenas yeah. where they're at. Uh, Cause they're barely drawing at house shows in, in the United States. Um, you know, and part of that is because they're running like huge places, you know, I right. mean, it's not like WWF always drew awesome at house shows. They started going into smaller venues at a certain point. But when, you know, when you go into like, obviously there was different plans in mind when he booked the United Center. But when you go into places like that, you're going to unless it's a huge pay-per-view or premium live event now. Uh, you're not going to fill those things up. So it looks sort of bad. And, you know, it's, it, you know, 
it just is weird. They sold out Wembley basically with no matches. You know, I mean, yes. it was it was just basically the circus type atmosphere. It's like the WWF uh, it's, it has become, which is basically you don't necessarily need to know who's on the card. You just want to be there because it's AEW or WWF. And especially in a, you know, in London where they've never had an AEW show before. And the first one ever is at this huge stadium and everyone wants to be a part of it that's in Europe or whatever. That was, I mean, unbelievable feat for them which is so contradictory for everything else that is showing business-wise from, you know, attendances and ratings in America. So, which is not, un, this is not uncommon, Gabe. I mean, right. you, you've known back in the day, bad in America, go overseas. Vince did that and it worked. I don't worked. really, yeah. it, it was different though. Uh, you know, WWF was not, you know, television ratings were different and, and it was, yeah. you know, different metrics. It, it was never like as bad as it is now, but of course with streaming and cutting the cord and all that stuff, it's really apples to oranges. So it, I don't know. What did you think of uh, sort of the business that they were doing here versus like what they did in Wembley? I I obviously huge number, but it, it keeps ringing in my head. I'm like, what about the WrestleMania in Dallas where they said there was like 101,000 and I know numbers are numbers, right? Like I know a local promoter, not Michael Strider, but I've known local promoters that'd be like, oh, we packed a house with 250 people. Bullshit. Like you can see. Yeah, wrestling literally. math is a real thing. Yes. Wrestling math is a 100% a real thing. I, I personally, when I was running Journey, I we never did the wrestling math thing. I got the number straight from Dan Geyer. Said, what do we get tonight? And we would never actually talk about it like on social media or whatever. But it is a, it is definitely a thing, but it makes me think, you know, this is a feather they, they can hold in their cap for a long time. We all know that the British fans are uh, rabid. I think the reactions, I, I was reading online that a lot of the reactions weren't what people were hoping for from a crowd that large, but they were in an open air place. Now, people have to understand that sound when they, we, ah, you know, when you scream, it goes out. It's not bouncing off a lot of walls. It's going out the top. I think the crowd was really into it. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about some of the matches. You know, we're not, we're not going to break down each one. Um, in our Terry Funk tribute, we did make some predictions. A lot of our predictions were accurate, but a lot of them were not. Um, Dude, I got to give it to the Young Bucks. I mean, they, they actually put over FTR. I, it was shocking. what a swerve that was. I literally was watching with my friend Tommy, and then the three count rained down. And I think we were chit chatting about something. And I was like, that whole, oh, sh that's it. They did it. Uh, and it was like, oh, it wasn't a great match by any stretch of the imagination. And I'll, I'll get into that in a minute, what I thought about the whole card as a whole. But it was a spectacle. It's something that they can hold over WWE's head for a long time. Like, hey, we're major players. You know, here we come. It's not going to be there. This is going to be an annual event at Wembley. I promise you, mark my words, that Gabe Miller on, uh, you know, uh, the worst territory in the world episode, whatever we're on now says that the, the Wembley will have diminishing returns over time. Now, they will have a good attendance next year, but year after year, it is not going to be. It cannot be what it was this year. So, boys, enjoy the ride while it lasted, but unfortunately, that's not going to be the way it is every year. I just thought it, it came at a great. It came at a good time for AEW because I think yeah. they have a lot of negative publicity yes. for whatever you know, for, whether it's backstage or just ratings or whatever, um, you know, in America. So for them to go do that, I thought you know, I, I give Tony all the credit in the world for what he did. 
uh, with, uh, with marketing that over there and, and how many tickets they sold. You can't take that away from them. That, no. like I said, it, it wasn't the, the odd thing was it was built on just the, the curiosity factor and wanting to see the company as opposed to, Oh my gosh, I need to see MJF Cole, you know, or whatever. It wasn't right. that. So, um, you know, when you, that's a good place to be at. Cause like I said, WWE was, has been there for a long time where it's like, I don't really care what the card is. Cause a lot of times on house shows on overall, they don't even tell you who's even on the card. Right. But, um, but anyway, that was a awesome moment, but I guess the, the, the biggest unawesome moment happened just moments before they started the show. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into that in a second. But did you watch the show? Were there any highlights, lowlights, any clips that you saw that you thought looked great, interesting, or nowhere in between? What was your thought overall thoughts, feedback on the show? I didn't watch it live. I've seen clips uh, of most of the matches. Um, I just, you know, I, the spectacle of that kind of crowd is always cool. That's what's always awesome about wrestling. I've always loved WrestleMania and, and right. all their big shows because of that. I mean, it can cover up a lot of like what you're talking about in the ring that you may not like or whatever, but just, you know, um, you know, I, I was most interested in the, what the EVPs were going to do. And the main event was fine. I thought CM Punk and Samoa Joe was pretty good. You know, I thought that was a great start to the show. Yes. Um, I, you know, if that's the way that he's going to go out, uh, obviously it is with AEW, then, uh, you know, why not have it on the, in the biggest stage that they'll probably have and uh, yeah. against a foe that he has seen many times. So I thought that was uh, one of the highlights. I thought, you know, I know the match wasn't great, but the fact that FTR was put over by the Young Bucks, I thought that was a uh, positive, you know. Yeah. Um, I thought the main event was, eh. yeah, I, I wasn't like. Um, Give me three minutes on the main, please. Give me. Uh, well, p- please, let's let's talk about the main event. Dude. I, I thought, here's what I thought. I thought the main event, the finish especially was everything that I hate about society or culture right now. And I, I like, literally, I do not give a crap if this, like, I'm going to try to edit my cursing. Uh, cause I don't want to like, you know, we don't want to drop a bunch of F-bombs on this episode. Cause we're probably, we're going to get into the CM Punk thing in a minute. And that's going to lead, <laughs> that's going to lead you down a dark road more than it is me. Um, I thought so as a match as a whole, it's what I expected, right? Everything that fell apart for me was obviously Tony Khan overbooks everything. Everything is always an overbooked clusterfuck. I'll see. I already can you beep that? Can you like beep? Anyways, um, overbooked mess. And then and then all of a sudden it was like when you know the pin happened, small package, one, two, three. And then it was the post like, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Like, no, it's okay. Like, here, look, you still have this. And this schmaltzy, like, oh, it's like he was boosting Adam's confidence because it was so shaken by their match. It was so dreadfully bad to me. And and it like it's literally like I felt like an Internet guy. That sits in his basement. Oh man, God, this is gonna be so hard. An internet guy that sits in his basement writing like 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 fantasy scripts for wrestling shows is like, and then the two best friends hugged at the end after you know, it's like it was like that everyone gets a medal thing, you know, like participation award, yeah. Yeah, here you have it. No, you 
have it. And it's like, well, then you've never, they literally had an argument like two petulant teenagers. Like, well, you never cared about me. It was always about the belt. And he throws it down. I hated it. I, it was the outside of uh, Jimmy Uso or Jay Uso and Roman Reigns a few months ago. That's the worst damn main event I've seen in years. I hated it. I hated it. I can't, I was like, literally like, oh, it's like two guys, we were watching two guys argue because they're best friends. It was nauseating. Everything about, about it, I hate, you can tell, I hated that main sure. event. But I will say the rest of the card for me was just fair to Midland. There was nothing that really stood out. Samojo and CM Punk probably had the best wrestling match on the show. Um, I think the FTR match. There's not like, a, I don't, I think the whole show missed having an iconic moment in a yes. crowd and a show that big. I think there's probably yeah, usually, I think that's one thing that, um, I, I'm sure AEW like hardcore people would completely disagree with this, but I feel like AEW in general has not had a lot of like peak iconic moments in right. wrestling history. Right. Um, I think they have, uh, you know, they have a fine show. Like, I, look, I, I, I try to stay positive about AEW because I do think it's cool that there's another company outside of WWF. I do think it's right. going to make WWF better. I do think it's good to have competition. I do totally. think that, which I think is sort of leads my opinion on, you know, the way things are dealt with. I, I, I think I want AEW to succeed, which is why I get sort of pissed off when I see things happen the way they do backstage mainly. But, uh, but yeah, there wasn't like, you know, in Wembley in 92, of course you had uh, bulldog and, and bread and you had uh, the road warriors taking the motorcycles down the, the hall, the pathway and stuff. And there's stuff you remember right. in, in these shows that is like, Oh my gosh, I remember that. But I don't necessarily think that they've had a lot of those moments in their young career and their young history yet. Yeah, and and I think everything for the size of the venue, and trust me, I get it. No one does a stage, no one does a makeup of a giant venue better than WWE. No, and, that's a, and part it, of their presentation has always been what's made them great. Exactly, and the presentation on this for that scope was a little lacking for me. It felt like a giant indie show, which has its own charms and whatever, but I I really feel that. Yeah, I, me and Tommy were actually joking. I, we kept going, and Q Goldberg. Because we both kind of seriously wanted that big, like, oh, shit, that person is here moment. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they ever delivered on it. And, you know, the matches, they, and none of the matches had rules, which was really annoying. It's like over half of them were a brawl of no DQ, whatever, three-way, three four-way, eight-way, that has no rules. And it was just... It was all kind. It was for me. It was just kind of a mess. The whole show was a mess. I don't, you know, D Dave Meltzer is probably gonna wet his jeans over ninety percent of it. Yeah, by the way, did you? God, his ratings, dude, for that show were like. If and we're, now, I think it's a good launching point. If you don't know that there is a clear bias by Dave Meltzer and who he talks to after reading the the ratings for that show, I don't know what to tell you. I do not know what to tell you because his friends on that card got the highest ratings, right? Like, of mm -hmm. course. And it, it just uh, completely mind blowing to me. I don't even, I don't even know what show he was watching. It just completely crazy to me. I was trying to pull up all his ratings. So I can remember what they were here. Um, oh, I got you, bro. 
Oh, pl- please. Let's. Uh, what What was the highest rated on the card? I believe, uh, without just kind of going off of what I remember, I believe it was FTR and the Young Bucks. Honestly, at four point seven five, or it okay. was whatever the um, um, Kenny Omega match. But I'll I'll show it to you. Let me hear. Yeah. Uh, well, I look. It's it's pretty obvious that whether Dave is or isn't on the payroll, Dave has his own biases of what he likes. Sure. You know, and the problem is everybody has their right to an opinion. I get that, but. Unfortunately, people hold Dave Meltzer's standards to like the that is the industry standard now. You know, that is what what he says goes to a lot of people. And he has a lot of power in that. You know, he's a, he's journalists have a lot of power. So um, the way he writes stuff and the way he as I've told you, like I've never understood Dave Meltzer's ratings as far as he hates ratings that are storyline driven. He hates any kind of segments like that. He hates right. He hates any kind of character development. He hates that. He would much rather see, like you say, uh, no rules, just wham, bam, like move, 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 move. That to him is always going to get better ratings than, you know, sort of like emotional moments. You know, he just doesn't like those. So here we go. MJF and Cole versus Aussie Open, by the way, them winning the belts is just absolutely stupid. Uh, 2.75. Hook versus Jack Perry. 3.25. 3.25. CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. Now we're at the main card. 3.5. Okay. Okay. I mean, probably close, right? I, I would think so. I mean, I think it was probably, if we're doing that scale, 3.75 maybe? Yeah. Like, in my opinion. It's not five stars. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, Golden Elite versus uh, Takeshita and the Bullet Club Gold, 4.5. FTR versus Young Bucks, 4.75. Stadium Stampede match, which was wild, but very, very long, 4.5. Soraya versus Hikaru Shida versus Tony Storm versus Britt Baker, 2.75. Yes. Um, that, that match was terrible. Darby and Sting versus Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage, 4.25. I mean, that match was fun, but come on. Will Ospreay versus Chris Jericho, 4.75. Mm-mm. It was a good match. Jericho, by the way, Jericho worked his ass off. That was my second favorite match on the show. Jericho yep. really did work his ass off in that match. Um, the Acclaim versus House of Black, 2.5. I agree with that. That match was pretty terrible. Um, MJF versus Adam Cole, 4.5. So I don't think it's any kind of like, oh, man, that's surprising. Like, obviously, on the main card, CM Punk and Samoa Joe and the House of Black, which are CM Punk's friends, lowest rated matches on the show outside of the women's match. Okay. But anyways. I mean, that's 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 nothing to, you know, we know he's biased. Yes. Everyone's biased to a degree. Absolutely. He is, whoever. Um, But, um, you know, like, but the problem is he purportedly calls himself a journalist which you're supposed to have no bias but again journalism there's no such thing as no bias i i just there's no such thing but he is um he is obviously clearly with them and he has been from the beginning because they treat him they they make they have moves named after him they treat him like he's their their idol so he's going to therefore reflect in his ratings towards them but this brings us to our topic of today so Before we launch into this, so the biggest story coming out of All In really wasn't about the attendance, which is something I'll talk about, which wasn't about any of the matches. And of course, this is all second fiddle 
to the fact that our friend CM Punk, or not, he's not my friend. I am a CM Punk fan. Never met him before. Um, uh, stole the show once again by getting into an altercation with one Jungle Boy, or he's not Jungle Boy anymore. One Jack Perry. Now I'm gonna spell out what, and it, we'll, we'll give our opinion about it. So what happened was a few weeks ago, apparently CM Punk had had cautioned Jack Perry about using real glass on the behest of other people who said Jack was not listening to them. And they said, please, Mr. Punk, Phil, whatever you want to call him, go this talk to J- collision. Yes. Yes. Which is basically has been, a, from my understanding, CM Punk has a major, major part, uh, part in, and obviously not just on screen, but behind the scenes in terms of like who does what, who's on the show, who's allowed to be there, stuff like that. Apparently got in, thank you for that clarification, apparently got into a heated argument with Mr. Perry saying, dude, you don't need to do this. Glass is stupid. Don't do it, basically, is what he said. So fast forward, Hook, Jack Perry, having a mediocre match on the pre-show. On the pre-show, keep in mind, this is a gentleman that was told by a veteran from the top of the card to pretty much the bottom of the card, don't do the glass thing. It's dumb. Don't do it. So they decide in this brawl that Jack Perry gets it cleared, which is an important note. Apparently he got it cleared through Tony Khan because Tony Khan's a, we'll get into that. Apparently he got it cleared to use real glass, but instead of just doing the damn spot and leaving it alone, Jack Perry had to look into the camera and say, real glass, cry me a river. Obviously referring to the fact that CM Punk had told him, don't use real glass. Jack Perry makes his way backstage and chaos ensues. Now, they say there's two sides to the story. They say CM Punk went nose to nose with Jack Perry, said, hey man, what the heck, heck is your problem? Probably not using the word heck. What the heck is your problem? Jack Perry responded, hey, I'm just trying to get heat, brother. And to which CM Punk then punched and some say sucker punched and or shoved jack perry perry shoves him back front face lock punk puts him out punk apparently screams at tony khan when he's broken up saying i quit i hate this place monitors apparently i can't i'm not i'm just gonna laugh about it monitors apparently fall in the direction of tony khan so that brings us to this whole thing goff you have booked created worked with a lot of different wrestlers you've booked a lot of shows what is your opinion about this whole situation well this goes back to you know just society really i mean it's just sort of weird this generation of wrestlers really have very little care respect for authority or veterans it's just very odd now tony khan is the main reason of that for that because he doesn't make them have uh care or respect towards the veterans um i guess like he probably just hopes that they would just based off common knowledge and you know just common sense i should say and just wanting to uh get better and listen to those who have done it years before you at a much higher level but um, that is not the way it's treated backstage there. So I've always just sort of had a problem with the fact that, I mean, this goes back from the beginning of AEW. Remember when uh, this is when 
Adam Page said that he doesn't listen to veterans because he doesn't want to hear their stuff. Basically said, like, I don't listen to guys that have been here before me because we know how to innovate and, like, we don't need, you know, we don't want to do the old stuff. We need new stuff, all that stuff. Um, now, the people that will say, well, this is always the case. Like, dude, Shawn Michaels back in the day when he was a nobody nothing because uh, he's the one that everybody points to as being so disrespectful. Uh, if you go back, he is the dude that always had someone that he would look and respect the guys ahead of him. He may not respect guys that are his peers, and he did that for many years, Bret Hart and others. But uh, but you know there was there were people in his career from the beginning to when he, before he became WWF champion that he would you know whether it's Jose Lothario, whether it's uh, other people in the locker room, he did not act the way that these people act. That, that are currently in AEW's locker room that, by the way, have done absolutely jack shit. I mean, these most of these people that we're going to talk about have done – they're nothing. They're like low to mid-card guys who have absolutely uh, not earned the right to tell people that have been in this business and have drawn money and have been at a higher level than them for many years. Uh, they don't have the right to tell them to shut the fuck up because, like, that is just not um, – you know that the it's it's just a lack of respect, dude. I, I it's 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 frustrating because, as I said, I think I we all want AEW to succeed, and you sort of see the way it is set up backstage. You know, you see these guys that you know we were talking about this earlier. You have veterans back there, and you have people that you know have a problem with the way that things are happening. As far as like. You know, this goes back to the the first time Punk got in trouble with the EVPs and 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 him and them going head to head on this kind of stuff. Um, when Tony Khan started this business, um, I, I mean, we, I've been in business with you know, I've, I've worked for Vince McMahon and of course Major based in here in Kansas City. Major knew how to structure a company from the beginning. You know, Major knew how to have like uh, he's not bringing in people that. Uh, are uh, above their level at their title. He's bringing them in. Like we had people that started there. I was probably the fifth or sixth hire there. Uh, and he already had people in there. You know, Travis Bowden was there as this level and Rob Messerly was the finance guy and all this stuff. But he knew how to structure it. But Tony did not from the beginning. And I don't know. I can't believe his dad. His dad is just hands off. But like when you make people – that are the young bucks who had a, you know, they were hot and impact and, and, and new Japan. I'm not taking away from what they were doing at the time on the secondary level from WWE. Uh, they were hot free agents at the time, you know, Cody Rhodes, these people, but the problem was that he made them these executive vice presidents in a company that was pretty non-existent. It was brand new. So then as this continues on, you see how it's progressed. Like Jericho never took the EVP title, but he's been there from the beginning. And you know, Jericho has been firmly up Tony's ass the entire time. We'll get to that in a little bit, but you know, as people are brought in like a CM Punk, who is the top guy that they've ever brought into that company? I mean, Jericho uh, is obviously a, a major superstar global. And so is Punk. Those are the top two guys that they've ever had there in terms of like actual, you know, drawing power at a super high level at a bigger company. Um, but Jericho, older, you know, what, 10 years older or so, and uh, a little, you know, obviously he's in his twilight of his career. Punk was still a viable, like, top, top guy option because he hadn't been on TV for a long time. So you bring him in, and 
obviously CM Punk outclasses and out like everything's the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, most people there. So when he comes in, like it's just sort of interesting the way that they, you know, if, if you go back and I know you, you know this, Gabe, but you go back and you see the punk, uh, the uh, Bucks, they were like, please, punk, please come to AEW. They're begging him to come, which is funny to go see those tweets now because they all wanted him to come because he was the he was the hot free agent, you know, wild card. And so now he comes and like, be careful what you wish for, because he is going to supplant you as like a, a, a pillar of this company. And so ever since then, it's just been sort of weird, you know? And then after the the whole thing, the fallout with Ace Steel and, and Punk and the and the Young Bucks, like no one restructured the company. That was a perfect time for Tony to be like, you know what? It's pretty obvious that the EVP it's should the worst be territory. Point. They should be, you know, they're pillars of this company and they've been here from the beginning and they're going to be paid well and all this stuff. But they probably don't need to be, um, you know, they're inexperienced as far as other people that are coming in now. And they probably don't need to be the guy that is, you know, uh, they're active wrestlers and telling people what to do at this point, as far as, you know, they're, they're getting in backstage altercations. I just thought, I thought that, thought that was weird. I think the whole thing with CM Punk, Gabe, and I'll let you talk here, but I think the thing with CM Punk and the problem I have with the disrespect and, uh, just overall is that I understand that CM Punk is um, seen as a quote unquote cancer. I see why people would think that because he likes to rock the boat. He does not put up with disrespect or, uh, you know, people that are illogical or, you know, people that what he feels is doing something wrong. Uh, I think the the issue with punk is very similar to an issue with someone like a Jim Cornette, uh, they are not corporate. They're not political. They don't like to kiss ass. They don't really, they, they, I mean, this is a very old school way of thinking, but they think that you get stuff by merit or by, you know, results. Right. They don't do it by based on corporate backstabbing and political talk and all this stuff. And, and in a way, uh, CM Punk has now twice been outmaneuvered politically by the super passive aggressive EVPs and other people like Jericho in the business that Matt Hardy that all like to play these political games that can obviously get to Tony and um, they can they can sort of maneuver the way they want. Now, the problem with passive aggressive people, Gabe, is that they're way harder to see when you're in the world, you know, like when you have a like when you're booking them at a wrestling show for their benefit, what that or like, you know, when you have a Jim Cornette or CM Punk and like something stupid, you know, like, hey, I'm going to book Jack Perry over. He's going to win our world title over, you know, Goldberg tonight or whatever it would be that someone like Jim Cornette or CM Punk would be like, well, that's fucking stupid, you know, but then other people would not say, wouldn't, would, would go along with that and say, Tony, you were so great. You were so awesome. It's so much easier to see the aggressive people like a punk and Cornette than it is to see the passive aggressive people. So that therefore someone mm. like punk way easier to vilify or, or Cornette. I bring them both. They're very similar. If you really look into punk and Cornette, they they uh they're way easier to vilify than they are than the people that just say like do everything like cut your achilles behind your back and then when you turn around and say like did you just do that no man what me man i don't know what you're talking about man and that they're you know then so therefore they don't get nearly as much shit on themselves as someone like cm punk does and um that that has been a problem from the beginning there and uh, well, that, that was my, that was my first thought on, on just the lack of respect and, 
and just why Punk is probably always going to be looked at as negative, even though I think that he always does everything he can to do what's best for the company, really. I I, I totally agree with that point. And that brings to mind, too, I... <sighs> Me and you have talked about it off air. I love this business. You love this business to a certain degree. We recognize its faults. It's everything in between. But this brings to mind, like most professional wrestlers that I've dealt with in a booking capacity in a very small, small independent promotion, most of the wrestlers that I can think of are exactly what you just described. Passive aggressive. You know, the, you you sit there and be like, hey, can you do this, this, and this tonight? They're like, yeah, brother. Yeah, brother. Sure. No problem, brother. And then they go be like, oh, can't believe Gabe's booking me to lose against, you know, so-and-so and what's their names, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, hey, is there like an issue or something? Oh, no, no, man. No, we're good. I, you know, maybe, you know, next time, you know, and they, and they, and they needle at it instead of just straight up coming to the point and saying, listen, I don't think this is the reason why, because X, Y, and Z reason or whatever. It's always this kind of like snide behind the back. I mean, that at least that was my experience. Now I will take full responsibility. One of my biggest regrets ever in running journey was that I wasn't a dick. I should have 100% said, if you don't like my direction and what I'm doing, paying you, then don't wrestle. I'll figure it out. I'll figure and it that's out. It's a hard thing. That's a hard thing for most people to do. It's not easy for anybody. I don't think, I mean, only for a, a small percentage of people in the world is that cool to to act that way. But I think eventually we're all pushed to that point. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm willing to talk to anybody, hash anything out. I'm a people pleaser to a probably a sickening degree. But at the same time, like, if you don't want to play in my court with my ball, so to speak, then don't wrestle for me. You know what I mean? And I think it's and I, I feel like I'm Tony Khan in a lot of ways in the fact in mentality wise. I just want everyone to be cool. I just want everybody to be happy. At a certain point, I wasn't confrontational. I just wanted to have fun and book some fun wrestling shows. And I feel that's how Tony Khan is on a major level. And then so it's easy to get along with the passive aggressive people, because, again, you're not hearing direct like, oh, this person doesn't like your direction. Everyone's like, yeah, boss. Yeah, it sounds good to me, you know, and then you're like, oh, okay, you know, everyone's cool with it. Great. And then when you have someone like CM Punk that who is more confrontational, it feels like more of an affront. But I think first and foremost, I don't completely absolve. And I know you're not either completely absolve CM Punk from any wrongdoing in this whatsoever. Right. Yeah, I'm no, I, I am I going think, to I agree with that. I am going to hold to my opinion that I told you on Voxer, which is. I think CM Punk should have been the bigger man, regardless of Jack Perry's transgressions, completely wrong on his part. I think Jack Perry should be fired regardless, because that shows an utter disdain for direction that was given to you. And if he's going to do that for you, what about Tony who says, Hey, you know, maybe that's not the thing. Are you, you going to let him mouth off to you like that too? It, again, I don't, I just don't, I wouldn't put up with that if I were Tony Khan. However, I do think that CM Punk should have been the bigger man and said, listen, don't talk to me like that, first of all. Secondly, you know, this is squash. I'm going to go do my match. And then after that, if you want to have a conversation about it, we can have a conversation about it. Because a few weeks previous, he cuts the promo about Adam Page. Yes, CM Punk is a pot stirrer. I totally get it. But if you want to be a leader of the locker room, and if you really do care about wrestling as much as you say you do, 
Sometimes you're going to have to let those piss ants do their thing and handle it more responsibly. You can't punch every single dickhead in the face that you meet that you don't like. It's just not professional. But CM Punk feels he can get away with it because of who Tony Khan is. He 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 lets the inmates run the asylum. Again, nobody would have ever done this on a Vince McMahon show. Nobody. Or a Triple H or whatever you want to say. It nobody even it, i mean this the most of the things that have led to the demise of punk now twice have would have never happened never. at wwe ever it wouldn't have even been the the situation wouldn't have even come up um i mean punk obviously has left companies like wwe before with like a, a clashing of heads you know with triple h or you know the infamous you gotta you gotta work with me i don't have to work with you that was right. such a great line but i you know so he's had issues with that before so dude i i agree here's the deal on paper when people sit in and i understand why people like yourself or and i agree with it on paper it's totally cool like you should not you should always be the bigger guy you should always do this or that uh you should not yeah like you said punch everyone in the face that pisses you off because that will never you know, help anybody, including yourself. I get that. But I also, on the flip side of that, understand because I've been in situations in my career where I was a boss uh, and I had to have, you know, problems with people. And you finally get pushed to a point <laughs> to where you hit the damn wall and you're like, you know what? I am sick of this shit. I have put up with this shit for so long that I now have to do something about it. And now you're just to a brink where, you know, yes. like very little will trigger me now because yes. it is so screwed up here. And I think, I think Punk went into that company like uh, with all intent of trying to make it, you know, help beat WWE or you know whatever his mentality was going in there. He was not malicious at all. I think I he wanted to make it work. But then the problem is, is that look, man. I don't know how to put this in terms where everyone would understand it because not everyone's in a situation where they would have a, you know, be in a situation like him. But if you're in a, if you were a, uh, if you were a, a, a person going into a new job and you have tons of experience and you walk into a new job and everyone there has 10 times less experience than you for the most part. Uh, and then like, you know, first few weeks you you're quiet and like, nice, everybody or whatever. But once you get comfortable there, uh, you will start, you know, wanting to dole out your advice or your expertise because that's what you do. And then after a while, when you have the, the people like the EVPs who for the most part are completely unproven commodities in America, uh, as far as, you know, long-term success, long-term, like I, you, I don't, I'm, I'm sure people will sit here and pull up every show that they were so big on an impact in new Japan and all this stuff. But the bottom line is no one can really with a straight face say that any of the EVPs are in the same atmosphere as CM Punk. Okay. Right. They're just not, they haven't been, they won't be, it doesn't matter. Right. So there's a, I mean, there's a reason why Punk was going to be the main focus center guy on fight forever the video game before he was kicked off that there's a reason why you know television executives want to give him an extra show just to have punk on it i mean that they're just different levels so Absolutely. at a certain point when you're in a workplace environment like where everyone is like you know working against you and you're the guy that knows more than most of these people just out of basic experience then, you know, it starts getting really angering after a while. I mean, if you ever work in a corporate environment, because I have multiple times where yeah. 
you're trying to work your ass off and most people there are like dragging their feet and all this stuff. And you find out they can't be fired for whatever reason. (laughs) They're safe from ever being fired, but you're trying to do more and you want to do more with your life and you see them doing nothing. It's very, very frustrating. And I can only imagine what it was in a world like wrestling, where it's not just like your typical corporate job. It's a job where, you know, it's got a thousand more stresses on it and thousand more egos and adrenaline and all this other stuff going into it. So I can understand why he got pushed to the brink the first time where he was like, how many times, like, I I mean, I could relate so much when he had his promo about the, the little, I work with children and blah, blah, blah. And he's cutting promos at the media scrum. Was that the most professional thing in the world? Hell no, it was not. Do I understand why you were pushed to a point to where you would do that? Hell yes. Like, I mean, that's just, I mean, and if you say that you're better than that and you would never do that, then you probably don't have the amount of drive that someone like CM Punk does. So that's just, I, I I agree. I I agree. I totally understand what you're saying. I totally agree with it actually too, because there is, you know, the other side of the coin, like I said at the beginning, I can see both sides where you look at even his day leading up to that, Apparently the car wasn't there to pick him up. The message got kicked back. He had to take the tube to get to the arena. He gets to the arena. He just wants to do his thing or whatever, you know, and there's, you know, he, this meeting that was supposed to happen, this summit to squash everything with the, the elite gets canceled before he gets there. There's all these little instances that build up to who it all really truly falls on is Tony Khan. In my opinion, say what you want about his booker booking skills, whatever. That's all subjective, right? Like we can all dice up everything anybody does all day long, but he is not obviously a true leader. And what I mean by that is like we've pointed out Vince McMahon, Triple H would have never let that kind of stuff happen. If you know, when you see Jack Perry make the snide ass comment, real glad cry me a river. The first thing you do is you get up or have somebody get up. When he comes through the curtain, you pull him immediately out of line of CM Punk. Out, you pull him and say, we need you go over here. We need to talk. Let Punk do his match or whatever. But there's no damn leadership. They feel that they can say he Jack Perry looked in the camera to say that because he knows there's no cause. There's going to be nothing that anybody is going to do about it, because at the end of the day, Tony Khan is just not that type of leader. I applaud whatever leadership ability he has because he has a ton of money to do so. That's great. I know. Like he packed a Wembley Stadium, blah, blah, blah. Totally get it. Right. He's got billions of dollars. Great. Fantastic. I'm not saying I could run the company better than him. However, you know, we can and we do have the right to look at what he's doing as an individual and to critique it because he puts himself in that position to be critiqued. Right. And for him to come out, the the icing on the cake for me is when he comes out and he says, I've never felt so threatened in all my life. I've been going to wrestling shows for 30. All right. First of all, cut that from your diatribe, right? You've been going to wrestling shows for 30 years and you've never felt so threatened. Well, great. You're not supposed to. You're a fan, right? First of all, that, and I've been producing for four years and I've never just all he had to do. I made a regrettable decision today in the termination of Philip Brooks, CM Punk, blah, blah, blah. But I feel it's what's best for the company. End, right? That's it. That's all you have to say. End, end. 
Instead, Look, I think Tony's a nice guy. That's why I think he he is like a lovable guy to a degree. I sure. think he wants, like you said, I think he wants everyone to get along. I think sure. I, I think he has I get like, that. but those kind of people like get burned and spit out and like wrestling, like because like, I did, like, <laughs> I, I well, did. Dude, I, believe me, I went in like a fresh faced little teenager into into WWF, and like I came out a couple years later, and I was just like, wow. I, you know, I'm like, uh, I feel like I've, I'm a grown, like 50 year old man now because that's what wrestling does to you. It's just, it's just like any, not, not like anything else. Like I was explaining this to people that aren't wrestling fans, just sort of a eh, nuts and bolts of what's going on. And people are like, well, why doesn't you just do this or that? And I'm like, most people's responses are logical in any other spot, except pro wrestling. <laughs> like pro wrestling right. is just so weird. And I, and I agree, man, it's the Tony Khan is it's a weird dichotomy with him because I think it's awesome that he put a ton of money of yes. his families into this and started yes. this company. And I think it's done far better than most people thought it was going to Absolutely. Uh, who are wrestling fans, because we know how hard it is to start a company and like the egos, the power, the TV, all that stuff's hard. And Tony's navigated a lot of that. The problem is Tony, like you said, doesn't have the spine to go up and take care of stuff. Like, like I could only imagine, like, I know, like, with Bill Watts, Jim Cornette, Vince McMahon, any of those people, if you if you had them uh, do the little bullshit things where they say stuff on the mic and in front of a live crowd, and I'm not, you, you know, people always bring up Shawn Michaels. I bring him up again. Shawn Michaels, the sunny days comment, shit like that, that stuff happened, and they were in trouble for that. But also, let's remember, Shawn Michaels was a huge megastar, top star in the company doing that. To another not, megastar. To another megastar. I think people lose track of this. I'm not, this is not apples to apples. Jack Perry is not, is the shit that Shawn Michaels took that morning. Okay. There's, he is a freaking on the bottom of your shoe, low card, nobody who would be nothing if he wasn't Luke Perry's son. That's that. That is it. He would be on Indies if he wasn't on, uh, on AEW right now, if he was still trying to wrestle at all. But he is nothing. And like these people go out there and talk shit on a live mic in a camera. Yes, any boss of a wrestling company or producer or the heavy, whatever you want to call the person that would be doing this, would go up to someone like that as soon as they walk through the curtain and say, like, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, that's yeah. what that's what happens yeah. on indie shows all the time when people go into business for themselves, let alone a billion dollar company. But I mean that but that's not happening ever. Like there's never any kind. The only kind of discipline that I've ever seen AEW is with CM Punk and A Steel got fired and Punk was quote unquote suspended, which the suspensions there are laughable. I mean, they're paid suspensions most likely. So who cares? Like, I mean, they're just not going to work. Okay. They'll work two days less this month or whatever, but. And, I, I, and think, sorry to interrupt you, Chris, but think about it this way too. Like when punk was gone, how many jabs did, and we talked about it on the show, how many jabs did the young bucks and the, and Kenny Omega point at him? If again, if I were Tony Khan, I'd be like, he's gone. We're not even, we're not even talking about him because this is a litigation thing. Don't, reference don't do anything just do your job and shut your mouth so what tony khan obviously likes cm punk he brought him in once paid him a bunch of money kept him around put him back out there again so it's not right. like he doesn't like respect or like cm punk right so why would you not tell your other people like hey guys 
Stop with the childish bullshit. Right. Like, stop right. going out there and saying uh, veiled messages about, you know, CM Punk. Stop going out in the ring like uh, Matt Jackson did the other day and uh, do the victory lap that everyone sees on, on uh, you know, the fan cam or whatever they captured it. I'm like, why are you doing this? First of all, no sell the shit out of them if you like that. Right. That's fine. But also, like, it just it you're just as bad doing what he's doing. But they have never been disciplined for it. Right. They they had to right. sit out a little while after the brawl out or whatever. But I mean that. But nothing was done. They weren't stripped of their titles. They weren't like in any way disciplined in front of anyone else. Nobody reported that. Like they report every other little crumb that they get. So I'm just going to just assume because no one said a damn word about it, including the internal uh, dirt sheet writer Dave Meltzer or Brian Alvarez. No one said a damn thing about these people having any kind of real discipline after anything that has happened. So I look I, what I have found. The whole Tony Khan saying he was in danger, I thought that was laughably <laughs> stupid. Yes. I mean, like how dumb, like you're in a, you're in an environment of like grown ass men who are like pumped full of whatever they're taking and like they're walking around adrenaline rush, testosterone, like paranoid business. Like this is obviously <laughs> if, if he really felt like he wasn't uh he was in danger, then I guess I can honestly say Tony Khan has no idea what it's like to be in the wrestling business because even on an indie level, uh, you know what's going on backstage, yeah. like that 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 you're in an environment where you know that'd be the same at UFC or any other kind of like where the the top people are super competitive. You know, that's that's just where you're at. So when he said that it was laughable, but also at the other side, the, the real reason he did that was to cover his ass in a legal way. I mean, like now he's going to play the, the with cause he was fired with cause. I felt my life was in danger. These are all buzzwords and phrases that are used when you're going to either try to invoke, like, I'm not going to pay this guy because he, he caused himself to get fired. I don't have to pay him. And he has to sit out the whatever, six months from no compete or whatever it is. I don't know what it, it ends up being, but uh, that, that was illegal. And, you know, to say that you're scared for your life, if this ever went to a trial or a judge, like you're going to take that into account that you said that. So, right, you know, right. I, I've seen enough of this like courtroom political shit go down where you're like, eh, that's just him posturing for what's about to happen after he fires him. So whatever. I mean, I, and I get, and I get the legality of it and why he said it. But again, I think you could just, and he did it like, pre-tape which i his pre-tapes are nauseating just because his his eyes bugged out just like and then it was i was th threatened with all of my and then he did the live announcement in the crowd and it's just like just make the one announcement and leave it alone and just i think tony tony likes to be liked, dude like you said like people he likes to be liked which uh, most people like to be liked that's not i a, know i get not it. an odd thing way. The problem is everyone uh, I've seen it a million times in the last year, Tony should hire a heavy Tony should hire a guy, a general manager to take care of this and stuff. The problem is Tony got into this and he's putting a bunch of his family money into this because he wants to be in charge. He right. did, He's not an investor. He's not someone that just wants to like put his money in and sit back and let, you know, Joe blow run it because I don't have the balls to do it. He wants to be involved. So that's the double-edged sword with most people that get, involved as a quote-unquote money mark in the business is that they want to be involved either on camera hands-on with the talent whatever and i get it if i was spending all my money and i was a huge wrestling fan and my dad is a multi-billionaire and i could have my own wrestling company with television shows because i got connections
connections to Wembley stadiums around the world. And I got television people that are, you know, that love the Jacksonville Jaguars and they're going to give me a shot on my station because of my family's wealth, take advantage of it, but he's not going to sit back and not do anything. So you're sort of screwed. I mean, Dixie Carter was the same way. Her dad got involved financially. So she wanted to be involved in it because it's a glamorous thing to be involved in, you know, the, the wrestling world. Cause it's, yeah. you get fame, you know? And yeah. And Tony's like that. And I, so I don't think he's going to, he's not, first of all, who's the heavy, you know, I've, I've talked about this with my friends who's, you know, everyone likes to bury Bruce Pritchard, Terry Taylor, you know, that Johnny Ace, like the, the, the old guard of the people that are sort of the middle management people that are the quote unquote heavies or the town relation guys, Jim Ross, stuff like that. But who is the next generation of that? You know, uh, who is the guy that, you know, is going to have a backbone to take this and say like nope you're fired and like be able to not get usurped by these people going to tony who tony's gonna be like you know what actually you're not fired you know i mean that's <laughs> yeah i just you see you that know what you just got a raise actually you just got a raise I'm, yeah I'm, I'm you know and you so more money now. i don't know if that people if those people even exist anymore they don't we're like, not because because the business and our culture civilization is not grooming people to be that way they're not grooming people to be assertive leaders they're grooming grooming people to be leeches who don't have respect for authority. So um, that's, that's so, a whole, that's a whole. Let's go to Jack Perry real quick. Jack yes. Perry should be fired. I have yes. if, if CM Punk. If he gets fired, fine. Jack Perry should be fired. I don't understand why they wouldn't fire him. He's not some huge free agent. That's going to nope. go be a mega star somewhere else. He's nope. who would really even care if he's off TV or fired Nobody. forever. Nobody. Uh, as far as fandom, no one cares. So I don't understand why he's not fired. And and uh, people were saying like, was he put up to this? Was there like a, some kind of like conspiracy theory that he was put up like to do this? I have no idea. Like, I, I mean, was he expendable by people to say like, you know, I have no idea if someone's telling him like, hey, yeah, just go do it. And like, tell you know, fuck off, you know, fuck off, punk, whatever. Who knows? Like, I, I don't know what happened with that. But it, it seems sort of a, it seemed like a, a weird time to do that for for jack yeah. perry it's, yeah it's absolutely a- absolutely i mean and the biggest thing is both of those guys need to be held responsible both punk and perry in my opinion for literally sullying what could be what could have been the most victorious celebration or best night in the company's history by getting into an altercation backstage and both of them are to blame for that well let's and- talk about this let's talk about who is allowing this is the kind of shit that drives me nuts who is allowing Jack Perry to do a crush the windshield spot on the freaking pre-show of a pay-per-view where, by the way, usually you like to crescendo up a pay-per-view until, and you have your climax in the main event. Okay. That's what you do. You don't like who that's what's so crazy about wrestling now is that a pre-show match uh, windshield bump is like, is even in the discussion like it's it's ridiculous like how this is like they throw everything against the wall where nothing means anything you know did you see the spot where chris jericho bladed his titty (laughs) no i I missed that one yeah it was great he uh was getting chopped by will osprey and will osprey has some incredibly hard chops and he literally i mean obviously in camera view because they still can't get that one right pulls out the blade gives him gives him a little swipey swipe on his on his chest to get some color on his chest. And I'm like, what is this where we're at now? Like we're blading wow. our chests during a match that doesn't have any like substantial heat. There's no blood. Like it just was weird. Like there's so many decisions. And you can tell Jericho's obvious. It's not Tony Khan that's being like, Hey, blade your tit. 
like he's he's you know jericho's doing it himself or whatever but i i don't know there's just so many odd decisions and there's nobody in charge of like like I mean, you know, even at indie shows, you you run an indie show. There's someone that's in charge of. Oh, hey, I'm gonna finish with my. I'm gonna do a a you know a pile driver for my finish or whatever. Uh, do, try not to use that in uh, the first ten matches of the show. Okay, thanks. No one is obviously doing that. No one says like there's no there's no rhyme or reason. No one is there having any kind of enforceable rules. No one's there to say like, Hey man, you might not want to do the uh, complete blade job in the first match. Cause we're going to do that in the fifth match. And like, you're going to take away from that. You're an opening match. Why don't you just do this? No one nope. does that. And it's nope. like completely out of control in that regard. I mean, I've had people work as extras at AEW and they have told me that, uh, uh that, basically the people involved in the match let's say it's mjf and adam cole they have a full reign of what they will do in their segment so it's sort of like really like there's no there's no like there's nobody there to say like no i don't think so you know michael hayes or arn anderson back in the day at wwf not so much AEW, but there's no one there to say like nope can't do that boys let's try something else because they're going to do that later or whatever so that leads to a lot of like what you said. There's no rules. There's no uh, nothing builds anything. It's all just throw shit against the window and see what sticks. And like, you know, it, it really takes away a lot of meaning in building a wrestling show, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, but uh, obviously a lot of fans don't care about that anymore. Some do, a lot do, but a lot don't, you know? So I don't know what's going to win out. I guess that's winning out in the future. But I want to ask anyone out there that hates CM Punk and thinks that he is such a, just a piece of garbage from what he did. I just want you to put yourself in a position of uh, you're like a top guy. You are the top draw in that biz, in that company, whatever company you're in. And you have like an inexperienced, green, self-entitled, ass-kissing low carter come talk shit on you on a live broadcast like i don't um that that's just not something that's going to happen in the world of competitive sports any sport really uh that's just not gonna that you can't compare this to your job at chipotle okay uh that's just not going to that's and it's in a different world and i don't think tony necessarily knows how to treat uh a superstar you know, cause I don't think he has many of them. So like, I mean, maybe it's just purely inexperienced. I mean, when I was at WWF, like there was like clear cut rules about how to act around the top, top talent. Yeah. And, um, you know, whether it's like you talk about CM Punk didn't have a limo or anything like that. Uh, CM Punk doesn't come across to me as a guy that, uh, you know, he walks, he's a t-shirt jeans guy. So he doesn't look like the kind of guy that's like, uh, I need my green M&Ms and my Evian water chilled to my perfection when I get there. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. I think he probably wants a, you know, just a normal level of status for when you're CM Punk. You just can't walk around, uh, you know, the streets of London <laughs> getting a cab like, uh, you know, Jungle Boy or someone like that could. So um, <laughs> I think it's like I, I think they don't know how to deal with huge stars like that whether it and huge stars all have egos okay yeah like absolutely back, it's par it's par for the course it's par for the course don't call the rock triple yep. a all of them had huge egos man yep. i mean mick yep. foley even did back in the day i'm not saying he does now but back in the day they all wanted a certain level of service to them and yes. that's what you had to provide and i just yes. don't think tony and people in AEW are used to that because they just 
haven't really had that kind of level of people there. So maybe that's part of their inexperience and that's why it's treated the way it was. But I, I, I did hear a fun theory that apparently the driver of that didn't come pick him up was like a young bucks fan and the, they canceled the car on him and stuff. And well, that's all you know, conspiracy stuff. And, and, yeah. and they took, and they took a dig at him at their, on their little pissy web show. I don't like the elite web show. I it's, it's not that I think Kenny Omega is horrible. I actually don't think he's a horrible pro wrestler. I think the Young Bucks have had the same match for the last 10 years. But like <laughs> Omega drinking this Pepsi, like he's whew. and then he's like, he's like, oh man, this tastes like lighter fluid. Obviously, he has a Pepsi tattoo. CM Punk does. Sure, like, sure. It was all a dig on him. Anyways, it's like again, it's that petulant child attitude. Instead of just moving on and saying, okay. Let's make AEW the best wrestling company we can. They have to do the victory lap. They have to do the Pepsi gag. They have to do the Chicago deep dish pizza gag. They have to do all these gags because they have to get it in, right? This is their world now. And and, and to sum it up for me, Jim Cornette said it perfectly. The, the bad guys won. The bad guys won. But I will say, overall, I think it's better for everybody. So with that being said, Chris, what do you think is next for old CM Punk? Well, Unless you I, wanted I'm not to hit sure. him. <laughs> I, I, the, the, but before I go to that, I just okay. I, I, I did want to bring up one thing because I have been watching uh, intently, listening, watching to everybody's take on the CM Punk thing because I've been interested. Like I listen to Kevin Nash every week. I like to hear his thoughts on things. I let Bischoff, uh, you know, Russo every once in a while. Like I just like everyone's sort of take on things because everyone has a different perspective on it. Right. And one perspective that most of them don't talk about is they all bury, you know, punk. I mean, I was sort of shocked. Nash buries punk. Yeah. Uh, says he needs has says he has mental illness Healthy, and needs to yeah. work on that. And I found that interesting because I mean Kevin Nash has multiple stories in his past of like altercations and yeah. all this other stuff that he did while he was on top. So I don't really know what he's talking about as far in between as guzzling bottles of wine. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I look and I'm not I, I like Kevin Nash. I just don't really understand. But the, the side I don't get, though, Gabe, is what I was going to say is none of these guys. OK, bash punk, whatever. None of them bash the other side. None of them say like, yeah, you know, punk acted like a jerk, but. Uh, you know, the Young Bucks and Jack Perry and Adam Page, all these people, they are so why, who makes them think they can do this kind of shit? Because right. they're they have done they you know, their ratings are down now. Uh, I don't think anyone thinks that they're the true leaders of this company, you know, as far as, uh, you know, their first face forward or anything. So I don't really understand. No one's really taking the side of why are why are these guys? Uh, you know, burying the other side as well, you know, saying like, yeah, they're taking all these digs, like you said, on their web shows or whatever. And they obviously needed a receipt. No one says that, which I find weird because right. even right. the old school dudes should be like, yeah, this is not the way it would should be or ha has ever been. And, you know, this is probably not a good um, path for their success in the future long term as far as, you know. I, I don't know, man. I guess if you if you're Edge or someone that's a quote unquote big star, Randy Orton shows up over there because we were like, who would even jump over there nowadays? It would even make an impact. It would be Lesnar would be huge, you know. I mean, I've, Roman Reigns just left tomorrow, went over there. It's a, but these things won't probably happen. Randy Orton, big wild card. Maybe they won't ever clear Randy Orton and he'll go over to AEW or Edge decides to finish his career over there. 
what's it going to be like? Most of the, you know, Edge is basically a pretty much a go with the flow kind of guy. He's not yeah. like a, what my experience with him was he's, he's a, not a, a shit disturber. Okay. Randy Orton though, he is. So it'd be very interesting if Randy Orton went over there and didn't see eye to eye with some people, how it would work because, you know, otherwise you don't really have like, what's the track record of someone going over from WWE and having like huge success over there. Uh, Jericho was out and started with them and Jericho has been a master manipulator of his career over the years, but who is going to look at the CM Punk situation and say like, yeah, that looks pretty awesome. I think I want to go over there and do that. Um, because no matter what they say publicly, a lot of people privately have been, you know, talking to the CM Punk side about like how everything they did is correct and blah, blah, blah. Even though none of them want to do it publicly, which I find, you know, annoying, but I get it. I get it. I get it. People are worried about themselves and their own paychecks and I get it. But like it's, you would hope that people could, could speak up. But I think the next thing for punk would obviously the best thing would be for him to show up on raw and, and, you know, do something with the bloodline, do something with uh, Cody Rhodes. Like, I mean, there's so many things you could have like fun or like controversial with Cody and punk talking about AEW and like a not so in a very subtle way, you know, uh, not that Cody really wants to do that. Cause Cody's always taking the high road on this kind of stuff. But um, I just think punk, I, I don't feel like punk is going to leave wrestling like that. I, I feel like, there's there's stuff still on the table. He has had injuries here lately, so I don't know what his long-term physical stature is going to be. But I just think CM Punk is a bona fide star in today's world. And uh, I know plenty of people that love him and are on his side with this. So I'm like, gosh, I just think it would be so fitting for him to go over there. You would not have the same kind of issues you had at AEW that you would have at WWE. And I think he should finish it over there. I, I hope he does. I don't like, if I'm him, like maybe he just decides I'm done with this stuff. I don't want to do it anymore. But as a fan of wrestling, I mean, there's few things that can happen in wrestling now that I'm like, Oh man, I got to watch this because I don't know what's going to happen. It would be CM Punk showing up over there. I, I I agree with the wanting that to happen as a fan, but I honestly think he's done. Um, I don't think that this last run in AEW hurt his stock in WWE or that, or they're like, oh, he's a real problem. Everybody over there knows who he is and what he brings to the table. So I don't think that's going to affect whether he goes there or not. I think he's going to make the decision relatively quick so i don't think this is going to be another long layoff if he comes back it'll be when his when he's able to con- contractually or whatever but i i don't see him coming back i think i think if i if because wwe sucked the passion out of wrestling for him he reignited it quote unquote by going to AEW, and then he runs into a bunch of bricks and and everything there i i, I think he's just going to be like you know what it's just not worth it anymore the juice isn't worth the squeeze what like, is his legacy to you, Gabe? Do you think what what when you think of CM Punk, like how do you characterize his run in pro wrestling? I think he was groundbreaking. I do. I think he got me back into pro wrestling um because of just who he is and what he represented, which was the anti establishment, uh, you know, rock in the boat, authority, all this kind of stuff. He wasn't your typical look, he wasn't your typical promo. I, I think he broke the mold and, and I think his legacy is originality, uniqueness. And I mean, he's, he's a shit disturber and I appreciate that. 
I do at the end of the day. You do need people like that to sort of press the limits of things. And you need to be able to have people that can, you know, play along with that. Yeah. And I think you're not going to find that anywhere but WWF. And I, yeah. I understand, like, you know, I was telling you earlier, when CM Punk came into WWF, I was not like a huge – I was not a Fed watcher at the time, you know, because I right. was getting older. I was having young children. I had other career things I was doing at the point, so I wasn't necessarily uh, into that. But, uh, I, man, so many people – I mean, I have people all the time. They they were so happy that last week they bought a CM Punk shirt that actually came this week because they thought it was going to get nixed from all this. And uh, they are huge – uh, punk fans and i um he has he is a legitimate draw in wrestling uh but i just don't know if there is a company that is perfect for cm punk now but as a fanboy and as someone who wants to see like interesting entertaining stuff in wrestling it sucks that aew was never able to capitalize on any of the backstage stuff that that's yeah. one thing that i think yeah. tony lacks too he lacks being able to control situations enough to make money with crap that is happening backstage and as we've discussed many times was a so did i care about um cm punk taking on the young bucks not really i think he could have done something with uh you know cm punk versus omega or you know if you wanted to, I heard uh, someone talking the other day, it could have been a steel FTR and CM Punk versus the EVPs, you know, could have been, you could have done something could like have done that a lot at a big it. show. And now like, like I mean, even something as silly as like, they put up their titles on the, like the EVP titles on the line and then CM Punk and ACE and all those guys get to run it for a couple weeks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You never, they never were able to capitalize on all this stuff, which in every other era of wrestling, you sort of could, and so, um, you know, I mean, shoot, man, we, we're still living off the Montreal screw job 30 years later. And it's like, you know, you could you can do stuff and make this stuff mean something more than what it has. Now it's going to be nothing. I mean, the first time they let CM Punk sit on the sidelines for eight months, they could, like we've talked about before, he could have been on after the first brawl out. He could have been had his own segment if Tony was going to keep him on the payroll where he is just bashing them or or whatever, and they, they get their comeuppance on him or whatever they were going to do, but they were never able to do that. Or so like, just, just like, you know, yeah, just like coming into the ring and sitting, doing the cross-legged thing in the ring. They're like, he's not even supposed to be here, you know, like there's a bunch they just they couldn't do it but uh that kind of stuff is interesting though that's what we want to see yeah, that is the kind exactly. of stuff that is so interesting that it's like you know that is stuff that was happening on a pretty weekly or monthly basis at least in the late 90s early 2000s that you never knew what was going to happen you don't have that anymore and that's what drew so many people in because people didn't understand like What's he going to do? Like, how, how is this going to play out? Is he going to, is he going to curse? Is he going to do, you know, whatever, right. call people out by their names or, and that kind of stuff is what led to having record ratings in pro wrestling yeah. in the late nineties, early two thousands. I mean, yeah. and it was because WCW was hot. WWF was hot. And you know, who's going to jump this week. That kind of stuff was like fueling so many people to want to watch that don't normally watch. And like, you know, right now, if you're going to tell me like, well, it's John Moxley versus, uh, you know, X in a mat. I don't care. Like that stuff doesn't, I mean, th this, like whether you like them or not at a certain point, it's like the same thing all the time, but this unpredictable stuff, there's just so little of it now. And I just feel like they haven't, that you need to capitalize on that. And I think, I guess the only way that it's going to happen is possibly when he goes to WWE, maybe. 
I was just thinking, I just said John Moxley versus his blade, but I was thinking about that time Brian Pillman wrestled a pencil. And uh, and I was just like, man, that would be kind of fun if John Moxley wrestled his blade. I think that'd be pretty funny. Anyways, think of, yeah, that would be. Can you think about like think about that Brian Pillman versus the pencil and like that he was like against the Booker Man and all yeah. that stuff. That yeah. stuff was so interesting. Like yeah. and uh and now that everyone's sort of quote unquote smart to the business, that would actually go over more now than it did yes. then. You know, yep. I mean, uh, man, yeah. Yeah, he was a genius. Um, all right. Well, that's kind of that's kind of the wrap there. I did watch All Out. We won't talk about that. We don't have enough time to get into payback or anything like that. All Out was a much better card wrestling wise than All In was. Uh, it was it, there was actually a few. There was a match on there that you should watch, and it was the Miro uh, Powerhouse Hobbs match. Really cool. good, big big dudes just being big dudes. There was no flipping, no nothing. They just beat the snot the out of each other. Lana. Yeah, and it was like a sh- it was like a Sheamus match, you know. I I've grown to appreciate that guy. I don't think he's the best ever, but I've grown to appreciate what he brings to the table. Dude has been around for forever. so many years, forever, forever. Anyways, all right, Chris. Well, uh, let's. Uh, w- what's going on at the Peculiar Winery this weekend? What do you guys got going on? Since it's going to be nice, actually. Well, it's actually the weather's cool, so of course we always have uh, food trucks and live music every Friday and Saturday. So, looking forward to that. Looking forward to. Um, I got my a new uh, Terry Funk autographed um, turnbuckle. So that's oh, you got that this week? Oh yeah. Oh, oh dude. All right, I'm kind of jealous about that one. That one was cool. Yeah. So uh, what yeah, are you he, doing? Are you are you selling any mansions this week? Or I'm what? not selling any mansions this week. I do have quite a few clients that have come out of the woodworks. Thanks, thanks be to God, everything has been working out in that direction. But if you need your real estate needs met, and you are in the Kansas City metro. Uh, area, give me, uh, go ahead and go to my website, benmiller.realestate is my website, or you can email me very simply at wrestlingwithrealestate at gmail.com. I'd be glad to help you out with any of your real estate needs. Uh, Chris, it's been a fun show. Lots of cursing. <laughs> you might actually have to put the E on it for the first time. It's explicit ever. this week. You're right. Yeah, it's explicit this week. Um, but you know, it felt good to to get because we've been talking a lot offline about this kind of stuff and doing a, an episode about it and really kind of giving our opinion on it because you know, just like the rest of the talking heads in wrestling, you know, we we have our opinions too, and I can see both sides of the story. But it was a lot of fun this week, um, and uh, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. But uh, don't forget to give us a five star rating on wherever you get your podcasting needs met. That really helps us out to get noticed on the charts we appreciate all the love and support i've gotten i had so much good feedback on our terry funk episode by the way like people were just like saying literally it was our best episode ever so well cool it was great talking to a steel and um dan guy about about terry funk as well they they both have pretty cool memories about yeah being around them being with harley i mean some of the, the story dan told about Harley and Terry Funk screwing with the guy at the gas station. That yeah. kind of stuff just doesn't happen anymore. You don't hear these stories because no one has to go on the road like that anymore. But right. I mean, uh, Terry Funk, uh, I have just my respect for him and my love for him is just always just grown as I've gotten older and understood like I am his age now when he was doing like stuff off ladders and stuff. So yeah, uh, what a, what a performer, man. Yeah. And then, like we said, we lost Bray Wyatt. That was a real tragedy um as well such a talented performer um but wwe stepped up did the right thing and donating all the proceeds from his t-shirts to his family his surviving family so that's pretty awesome but all right guys we're gonna get out of here until next week when we take 
the best time of the week to talk about possibly the worst territory in the world. That's Chris. I'm Gabe. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. It's the worst territory in the world.